Warning, the following program contains adult language, adult themes, and spoilers. Viewer discretion is advised. Evening and welcome to this week's episode of this week's episode. I am your host Evan Goldstein, and with me, as always, is the wonderful Karen Randazzo. I'm actually traveling through time at the rate of one hour per hour. <laughs> and the amazing Chris Randazzo. You're supposed to fart the power. <laughs> we here on. <laughs> you got me. <laughs> we here on this week's episode talk television. Ah, uh, this week. Chris, you chose the episode, and I think you had, there was like a a second reason for you to choose this episode. Not only did you enjoy this show, but it forced you to watch the next episode. Yes, it was that. There was even a third reason I picked this episode. It was just kind of lucky. Uh, that it timed out that way. Like, obviously, I just wanted to watch the next episode, so hooray. But I also knew that this was the episode that uh, Joel was in. And oh, okay. I was a little... Uh, I, I was ultimately right. not let down, but... Hold on. I was expecting Joel Robinson, and instead I got, well, what I got. <laughs> what we are discussing is Mystery Science Theater 3000, um, technically season 11, episode 3... Um, on IMDb, it has its own listing under Mystery Science Theater 3000, The Return, if you want to follow along with all the making fun of specific people on the listing. So, Chris, overall, how do you feel about the show? Not just this specific episode, because you are a very big fan of MST3K. Yeah, I talked about this show a good long while ago when we were each doing our own show each episode. Mm -hmm. I mentioned Mitchell, uh, which is my favorite episode. (laughs) Uh, MST3K is my favorite TV show ever. Um, It is, is, I don't know, man. It just hits all the right notes for me, especially the earlier seasons. The Everything Comedy Central, and obviously there are great, great episodes during the Sci-Fi Channel era, but... Uh, the the Comedy Central era stuff is just my favorite. I love it all. I, I love the movie, uh, and uh, I loved Joel a bit more than I liked Mike. But I mean, Mike is still phenomenal. <laughs> He's uh, well. How do I you love, how, how do you feel show. about the the return? Well, I'm only three episodes in. Okay, um, and I am really enjoying it so far. I had a couple of issues with the first episode, where the uh, and really we, we really about shitty movie. Well, yeah, but I mean, I often find that the really, really shitty movies are some of their better episodes. Okay. But the, uh, I thought that they were, you know, kind of talking too fast. They were kind of riffing a little too fast. They were a bit ahead of themselves, but that really evened out with episode two, which, uh, boy, I really liked episode two. I, I really, really liked episode two. Karen and I have been uh, enjoying 
there was a running gag in episode two because it was about these hunters in the woods and uh, they just have all these pauses where they're holding their guns looking at something and then Jonah uh, the current host Jonah would go bang <laughs> it's just like <laughs> it's just wonderful um, so I, I'm really enjoying it I, it feels like <clears throat> a modern version of the Comedy Central era which makes all the sense because it's but, you know, it's, it's Joel. He's the the the, the head head dude in charge, mm-hmm. as it were. So it, it's got a lot of his flavor to it. It's got all these little modernizations of the kinds of things they did in the original series. They the invention exchange is back, which is just wonderful. Um, I did love the new Mads. Uh, I I like the voice new voices of Tom and Crow. Uh, really, there's there's very little I don't like about it. There are um, some changes to things, like, uh, you know, I'm a curmudgeonly old man, and I don't like things to change, but uh, I was very... Um... You still there? Yeah. Yeah, I'm here. Okay, sorry, you just got really quiet. Because <laughs> I started to laugh, but you were talking, and I didn't want to overpower oh, it's you. Oh, be- it's because I pulled the headphones out of my uh, uh, box here, so that's, that's why everything got quiet. Um, I was kind of concerned at first that some of the changes they did with the bots because, you know, this show ran for 10 seasons uh, with essentially no real change in function to what the robots could do, you know? Mm -hmm. Gypsy was kind of a dim-witted thing that also ran all the higher functions of the ship, and she had a very specific, you know, tube that came out of the ground that was her, and then Crow's arms were these skinny things that never really moved, and Tom Servo's arms didn't work, and he could technically fly but it never really happened and now like crows crows and tom's arms are all completely movable and uh like they're they're the puppets are much more modern and uh it took me a little bit to get used to that yet they really didn't change it i don't want anybody to get the idea that they modernized this show at all no they they really really didn't didn't. it's still mini like really cruddy miniatures and stuff it's just that they're using some more modern technology, you know, like Crow's arms don't need to essentially be stapled to the side of him anymore because they can make that work. Mm -hmm. And they did. And it's led to some pretty funny gags. I think Uh, the the servo being able to fly around in the theater, I think is kind of great. Like Jonah doesn't carry servo into the theater Mm -hmm. anymore, uh, which is what he floats in. Yeah. If he floats in, you know, because his, his hover skirt works better now. (laughs) Cover skirt to full power. <laughs> All right. The. Okay. I watched. I attempted to watch the first episode and I couldn't because I forgot how bad the movies actually were. <laughs> and I literally could not make it through the first movie. I saw parts of the second one and I could feel that they were getting their rhythm down. Yeah, I thought their rhythm was a lot better in the second episode. It, it, in comparison to the first one, yes. Then, then as I was watching this episode, it seemed like they could have let the, the, the joke... Not, I don't want to say the joke. like They could have let the scene breathe a, like a beat. Like Their jokes were right on top of what they were riffing on. Mm-hmm. So it seemed like it was... I, I, like pre-recorded like that was the thing about the the past episodes for me it felt like they were all really sitting there even though they did massive amounts of work it seemed like they were really sitting there and riffing on them 
on it. It was as very. It, was it, it felt more reactionary, right? Uh, and a lot of the times, their timing has been so much, so spot on. Because well, you know, that's the way they did in the old episodes too. Is they would sit there, in you know, in those little seats with scripts and watch the movies and read the jokes that they've written and you know read them with the the, the correct timing. But there was a certain. There wasn't as much of a sense of urgency, I think, in them. And I, I think that evened out a lot in, in episode two. And I didn't really notice it too bad in episode three. But, you know, it's they're they're getting used to doing what they're doing. And I, I think it all works out well enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I like it. I like the personalities. The jokes are really good, too. That's the other thing. The riffs themselves are as good as they've ever been. I mean... I've and really clever, like really that, clever, yeah. At just like the original series, they they come from all areas of life. Like, there's no joke that's too obscure to be put into this show. Oh, absolutely not. The uh, I, I, that's something I really like. Um, that the official Mystery Science Theater uh, YouTube page does is they have full episodes uh, up on their mm-hmm. YouTube channel for free, but they're annotated where they explain every single riff wow. and where it came from, which is so much fun for me to watch because there's never been an episode that I've understood every reference they've ever made. Because, I mean, a lot of this stuff, half the time they're joking about, like, these local area commercials that air in Minnesota. <laughs> like, there's just, there's no way for anyone who doesn't live in that area to know. It's just, there's all these great things. But, I mean, in the episode that we talk or that we're talking about today, they had a friggin' The State reference. Like, th- I-, I couldn't believe when? that that happened. When? Um, when uh, one dude was leaving, he said, I'm out of here. He did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. It's Doug. And, like, that was oh, what man. that joke was. That was amazing. <laughs> wow. I can't I saw that. I, 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 it, 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 it's there in my brain. And I didn't realize that was a state gag. Yes, it was. That was just wonderful. Uh, yeah, so yeah, they've 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 really got all that stuff spot on. The the comedy itself is great. I love the intentionally cheesy comedy they've got cooking in the in the uh, the host segments too. Like the edible silica packets was really funny. <laughs> um, I like how intentionally bad they are. They have a similar. Uh, obviously, in my mind, nothing's ever going to top Doctor Forrester and TV's Frank because I just love those two mad scientists so much. Mm-hmm. But. Uh, Kinga and TV son of TV's Frank, or I honestly don't remember what they call what his actual name is in the show because he wants to be called TV son of TV's Frank. That's Max. what I know him as. <laughs> Max, that's it. I I I I really like their chemistry together. I could use more of them um, because there aren't any real commercial seg- segments. Like commercial the, sign doesn't exist in this because it's on Netflix. So, but they some do of the timing do commercial. Like they they do. I, I guess it was they do those little interstitials, yeah, where they they do little music numbers where uh, Pat Oswalt is kind of summarizing what's happening in yeah. the movie at that particular moment, and the uh, the skeleton crew is the, the creepiest back. band ever. <laughs> I love it. Like, and they they used to do those things in the uh, original series too. Uh, during the commercial breaks, they would cut away to just a. a a miniatures a, a set made of miniatures of like here's experiment 502 and it's written on a chalkboard with a, a beaker next door or something like that they would do those little interstitials a couple of times per episode and 
they kind of lost that as they went into the sci-fi channel era because i mean the show kind of hit some weird bumps in the sci-fi channel era because of the sci-fi channel they wanted them to have an overarching plot in the show and that's why we wound up with them traveling to the planet of the apes and brain guy and professor bobo and whatnot Mm -hmm. but um those older Comedy Central era stuff that we, that that this is harkening back to so much that cadence is there and even with the even missing commercial sign uh, it's it it's really good it's got the soul of the original show and mm-hmm. I know this isn't going to sound like a great compliment but I uh, actually fell asleep a little bit in the second episode and <laughs> almost fell asleep in the third episode and that is the it's the single well, highest compliment. I could find I could possibly give this show because one of the things that I love so much about Mystery Science Theater is it is my happy place, mm-hmm. and this show has managed to recreate that calming effect. I'm not falling asleep because I'm bored. I'm falling asleep because I'm calm. Soothed. And th- this this show is like I don't I don't know what to what to uh, akin it to, but it is. It is my happy place, and I am so relaxed when I'm watching it, unless I'm watching it with a couple people and I'm laughing my ass off, which is also <laughs> great. Uh, but when I'm watching it by myself or just with Karen, it's just it's so comforting. And uh, the, the show is complete comfort food. I, I love it to death, and I love that these new episodes exist. I love that they're getting so much talk. Like mm-hmm. it, the, the show is getting a lot of attention, and I'm glad it is. And I really hope it comes back for another season um at least another season i think it will i mean i feel like it's doing pretty well for itself but i'm sure it will and hopefully they'll they'll stick with what they got because you know this is a grassroots thing like it was built from the ground up and they purposefully aped what they had before you know keeping Mm it not modernized if you will I think they have a lot of creative control in the situation they're in now, and yeah. hopefully they can... I mean, it's on Netflix, so Netflix tends to let people do what they want to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's why they have so much great stuff. It's like, hey, let the creative people be creative, and oh, ooh, I mean, well, look at that, you got quality you got quality program. Who would have thought? All right, so I would just want to, before we move on, I want to quickly talk about the actual movie that they, they riffed upon. Man, this was this Man, was brutal. This was this, rough. This was this was something. Um, <laughs> three and a half scientists create a portal that takes them into the future, and the future is a desolate wasteland where the scientists live in caves pr- uh, to protect themselves from the mutants. And, are trying and to- let's not forget the androids, which oh, I, I mean, this of- is. Hands down, the worst Android design I've ever seen oh, yeah. in anything ever. Yeah. These things, these things top any episode of Star Trek for just worst <laughs> design of anything imaginable. This is like the, the episodes of Doctor Who from the seventies. It makes them look like friggin' Star Wars. Like <laughs> the special effects in this are they are very are non-existent, <laughs> non-special, and it's it's the art direction really. I mean. It's, I mean, when they were going through the portal and, you know, it was like a couple of rocks right, right behind the window where they had said the screen, the you know, the portal was, and then a projection screen, so they'd go through and then off to the side like they were going behind a rock, and then suddenly they show up in the screen that's through the uh, through this hole in the set. And Holy so clearly, shit. a totally different resolution, and the colors were all different. It was not... 
done well. <laughs> and the, they, they, there they, was one where, like, the guy, the, all the three people had gone through already, and the woman was just left in the lab, and they just shot her from the perspective of looking through, back through the portal at her in the lab. And she's, like, calling after them. Hello, guys, come back. The, you know, the machine or whatever is malfunctioning. And they just held on her for the longest time. There were a lot of uncomfortable moments in, in this movie. There was, I, I, I'll call it the spa scene. Ooh, yeah, that was... Which... Ugh. Yeah, completely unnecessary. Completely unnecessary and far too long. Like... Like, I don't, like, sometimes you see some things in movies and you're like, I understand why they made that choice. This scene was completely out of place. It was like as it came from a different movie that all of a sudden it, this, you know, presumably naked woman is standing in the middle of this room and her, her breasts and crotch area are blocked by these strips as if they were purposed, like, perfectly placed there just for her. And it. Meanwhile, there are mutants outside trying to break into the joint. Like it just didn't make sense. And the other one that was also just a complete non sequitur is that weird comedy bit with the the idiot guy that like you know he actually looked at the Danny. camera. <laughs> Danny was my favorite. God. <laughs> I was I was having a tough time getting through the like theremin music scene that went on for like what an hour and a half. <laughs> she was just like hula dancing and you know oh a bra God, made yeah. out of tulip toilet paper. <laughs> that was really uncomfortable. The the best riffs I felt in my opinion were them picking on Danny, like especially towards the beginning where it would like for some reason like the two. Okay, Danny goes through the portal first, then the two male scientists go through, and the female's standing on still in the lab and she's calling out everybody but Danny. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but not Danny. Like they kept it was like it's just uncomfortably bad movies that they as a team make that make them somewhat tolerable. How's that? Mm-hmm. It, I don't know. I don't know how many of these movies I can make it through. I really like the show, <laughs> and their 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 skill set at making fun of the show. But there are times when they're not talking or not making fun of the show, and you actually have to pay attention to the movie. And it's it's bad. Yeah, I mean, it's there's sometimes where things are just so bad that it's. I mean, Manos, Manos, The Hands of Fate is like the perfect example of that, where it's just this movie is so bad that half the time they're commenting on the fact that there's nothing to say because it's just... (laughs) Towards the beginning of Manos, there's this great thing where they're like, they're just, the camera is pointing out of the side of a car and it's just like they're driving past a cornfield or just some field of tall grass and then it dissolves, like, they just loop it, where it dissolves back to the beginning of the same thing they just <laughs> shot. And, like, there's no, nobody's saying anything through all this. And then as soon as that cut happens, one of them goes, oh, sure, dissolved to the same scene. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's literally what they did. It, I mean, sometimes you get these movies that are just so bad. Um, and and I, I really enjoy the challenge of getting through them, you know? <laughs> 
Okay. I see. You take it as a personal challenge to make it through. I got it. I got it. I uh, mean, think of how many times they had to watch these movies, you know? Yes. I, I, <laughs> I, 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 that's, the, like, one of the main reasons that I, I push through because it's like solidarity. Like, they're like my team, and I want to be there for them. Um, I am... I'm not sure how I feel about Tom and and Crow. Like there you had made comment about this when you first watched it. Their voices are very very similar, especially in comparison in, to the to the In the theater, yeah. And when they're all, you know, when you actually see them, it's not so bad, but yeah, when Because they do their the animation, theater. they move. And granted, I'm sure they move in the theater, but you're sort of paying attention to the movie, waiting for them to, yeah. to talk, and it was it was tough sometimes just to figure out who was saying what, and and then something ridiculous would happen, like Tom would fly up to the like when he flew up to the screen and started lifting Blowing the rocket the thing, or <laughs> I th- or Crow was rubbing the girl's arm. Like there are points where it's obvious who's speaking, and it's really goddamn funny, but. I, I just feel like there just should be a, a little bit more of a difference. Just, just. Well, I mean, it took it took a little while. I mean, obviously there was the intrinsic like the difference between um, you know Kevin Murphy and Kevin Murphy and Trace Beaulieu. Like their voices were just so intrinsically different from one another. But you had um, like Larry in the first season. It took him a little bit to really get the hang of Servo and make him more distinct. And. Gotcha. Uh, I feel like it, I feel like it will happen. I mean, with the the more time they have with these characters, it's it's going to be easier to to differentiate the two of them. But you know, it's it's just kind of they're definitely doing you know Tom Servo esque voices and Crow esque voices. Mm-hmm. You know, like they they're, are they're they're not they're not uh, Bill Corbett or Trace Beaulieu. It's they're they're their own thing. But it's still like there's a difference between the two of them. It's just the fact that they're so much closer in overall tone it's kind of hard to tell them apart and it's now. and it's really not even noticeable when you know they're they're in the when they're on screen where they're you know you see them interacting with each other it's what just when they're in the theater that if you're not paying close enough attention it's it's a little tough um mm-hmm. in the originals i note like in this episode i noticed a couple of uh what do i call them? like flubs w- mm-hmm. did they it seemed like they didn't go back to, you know, correct mistakes that they may have made. And I couldn't remember if that was like it was a, a, a one run through type of thing. I can't re- I couldn't remember if they actually did that sort of thing in in the first run in the original series. It, it, it I don't know if it, it feels like this series, this new one is so rushed that it, that like they were under some sort of pressure to get it done. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Kinda. I didn't notice any flubs, though. I don't really know what you're talking about. I, I, there was there was one specific thing, and right now it was something Jonah had said. Like he fucked up a line, but they oh, kept yeah, moving. Oh yeah, I know what you're talking about. During one of the host segments, he like yeah. stumbled, he stuttered, saying saying a line. Yeah, no, that was in the original series too. They, okay, they wouldn't really. Ha- they wouldn't really hammer on things to get it just right. Obviously, there are deleted scenes, which one of my favorite deleted scenes of all time is uh, uh, Joel walking into a room with, a, I think it's a plate of pancakes, and he says, oh, boy, waffles. Oh, I fucked it up. 
So now, okay, how do you feel about Joel's return? <laughs> was not what I expected, but it was a. Uh, it was pretty fantastic. <laughs> just a lot of really uncomfortable gazes at the camera. Yeah. It was just like, wow, man. Just, wow. No words You could spoken. tell he was having the time of his life. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> I do really, really want to see a situation where Joel finds, the Joel Robinson finds his way back to the Satellite of Love. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, when he did that in the last season of the original series, that was... That was such a great episode. I think it was a great episode to begin with. I'm pretty sure it was the same episode Frank came back in Soul Taker. Okay. Um, where TV's Frank was, you know, he's a Soul Taker now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure oh they'll do God. it. I mean, isn't he in control of everything right now when it comes to this series? Yeah, I mean, he's he's <laughs> he's the head head bitch in charge. Uh, I, I would I would love to see it. I would also love to see Mike come back on on the show. I was actually a little. Uh, little sad that he didn't find time to to come back when they did the whole pearl bobo and brain guy thing like though mm. uh that was that was uh bill corbett and kevin murphy and they're these two partners in riff track so it was, oh, but i guess it was you know they would have had to write him in somehow and it makes sense well it, it, honestly they don't have to do anything they could make you know them just walk across screen or just stop look at the camera wave mm-hmm. and then keep going and it would fit in perfectly with the the theme or the tone of this show he doesn't they don't really have to write him in i mean just like yeah like joel come on how much writing was done for that part joel get on screen look creepy go like yeah well yeah that's that but i mean joel would be in a he, he's a character you know like mm-hmm. when he showed back up on the satellite of love to fix things in soul taker he's all he, he's just there doing their thing and the bots are talking to him like nothing is passed and then all of a sudden it clicks like oh my god it's joel <laughs> and then he get like joel gives mike this whole like pep talk like uh there was the it was the they, they were the greatest years of his life uh, dedicated to being on that move ship and watching crappy movies and he even explained he landed in the Australian outback and like it, it followed the continuity of Mitchell where he was ejected from the satellite of love in a, uh, a skate pod that was hit in a box marked Hamdingers, And he landed safely in the Australian outback. And they mentioned that in that episode, you know, and I'd kind of like to, I'd kind of love to know their through line for getting crow and servo back on the satellite of love and gypsy, uh, and I guess Cambot as well, but back on the satellite of love when they were living in an apartment with Mike <laughs> at the end of the series, because I know they've got some sort of haphazard. It wouldn't have to be good. It just had to be some complete ridiculous thing. But I would just love to hear what they come up with to explain how we are where we are. Later. Have they have they mentioned Cambot? Yeah, he's in the opening credits. Okay, I couldn't I couldn't remember the opening credits if they, if they actually. Gave that. Robot roll call. Cambot, Gypsy, Tom Servo, Crow. Nice. It just, it, but the Cambot part in the credits goes by so fast yeah. that, like, it's hard. It took me this third time of watching to see, to tell what he was doing, that he was, like, picking up a mirror so that you could see Cambot in the <sighs> mirror, sort of what it looked like. Gosh. That's kind of how they've always done it with him, is, uh, and, and they've, they've done it a couple of, Cambot's been reinvented a couple of times. I think Cambot's the one robot that's been changed the most i mean in the old days in the comedy central era Cam- cambot was like on a, a thing similar to gypsy it was like on a thing of piping mm-hmm. and then uh during the sci-fi era he was definitely a floating orb and now he's i still don't even really 
I haven't gotten a good enough look at what he is right, now. Exactly. But it's a uh, you know he's still there. He's still Cambot. I miss Magic Voice. I haven't I haven't heard anything from Magic Voice yet. Mm. Magic Voice wasn't really a, a robot per se, but it would just happen from time to time. They'd talk to Magic Voice. Yeah. It's, it's, so what during the movie, um, <laughs> Gypsy like floated through the screen. <laughs> Was there a reason? She's Did been, I miss something? She's, she's just been doing there. that. Yeah. Every time it's like she drops something off in the theater and later mm-hmm. she comes back and gets it. And I don't know what it is because they never interact with it. Yeah. Okay. It looks like a cooler, like she's bringing them lunch or something. Yeah. I, I don't know what it is, but I know that during the, the Kickstarter campaign, Joel was talking about how he wanted to get Gypsy into the theater to riff from time to time. And uh, it's it's been nice to have her pop in, crack a joke, and leave. I, I think it's neat. It just... <laughs> I like kind how much like, more alive it, it it seems. Like they they've done a very good job of I don't know, modernizing isn't really the right word, but just kind of breathing a little bit more life into it. It's it is a newer version of this show, and it's it's very smart. I feel like the new Gypsy represents sort of the way some people experience these things, where they're definitely not going to sit there for an hour and a half and watch this whole crappy movie. They'll pass through the room and stop for a few minutes and, you know, long enough to make a joke, make everybody laugh, and then get back to whatever they're doing. Well, and uh, all I think that's cool stuff. to, like, sort of, you know, <clears throat> represent that kind of fan in the show. I, and, and final note, I did, I did really enjoy the three other robots that Jonah created. Oh. As, <laughs> as he just... Push them onto the, you know, just the table, and Tom and Crow decided to just destroy them. And just the fact that he looked at the camera and said, they're not real. They just need to get this out of their system. <laughs> it reminded me of uh, Mitchell when uh, he built the, the thing from the back of the nickel out of uh, toothpicks just so that Crow and Servo could destroy it. It's like playing with our three-year-old. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, they were all Megazords. I totally noticed that. They, they were. They were all like versions of Megazord that they had hollowed out and made into things. Springy with spring-loaded front <laughs> chest plates and stuff. Uh, it was great. Well, I, I, I can. You could see the difference between from from episode one to episode three. They're they're gaining ground. They're they're finding their rhythm, and I just hope it it keeps going because it it is getting better. I, yeah. I, I mean, I maybe like maybe it was the for me it was more like a be- slightly better movie. I mean, slightly better, but it feels also like they they're figuring out their tone and the things that they need to do. And so mm-hmm. I I only hope that it, it just continues on the same trajectory because by the time you know the season ends, this will be a finely tuned Swiss watch and crisp and nice, good to go. <laughs> And to anybody who hasn't given this show a shot because it seems like it's too different, this is it's no bigger a change from if you look at an episode from uh the Comedy Central era and then look at an episode from the the uh, sci fi channel era, this is no bigger of a difference between any of the, between that gap, you know, mm-hmm. be, from going to Comedy Central from going to uh sci fi to Netflix. It's 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 a big change. It's a different set of doors. It's the whole nine yards, but it is still the same. But if the show still has the same. If soul. you're not a super fan, like it's kind of hard to tell 
that it's different doors. Like they still have the same feel and the same stylization. It's not it's not flashy and new. Like there's still gaps when the doors close and you could see that yeah. they're small plastic it's parts. Miniatures, yeah. Miniatures, you know, you could see that. <laughs> Anytime they show another ship come up or what it's just shy of going boink. <laughs> like like that's what this show is. It's good stuff. More of it. Agreed. Can't wait. I will continue to watch. I, I feel it's easier for me to watch each episode in two parts. That's what I did for this episode. I didn't w- try to watch the whole, however long it is, hour and a half, feels like. Mm-hmm. I didn't watch it all in one sitting. I watched a little bit the first day, finished it up the second day. and it, it They make it, an hour and a half feel like 90 minutes. There it is. All right, let's take a quick break. Uh, we got a bunch of news to talk about, um, so stay tuned. At long last, Karen has finished her reread of the Harry Potter series, and with that, she has written her final chapter of Back to Hogwarts. In this final installment, she breaks down the very best bits from the very best characters all the way through the epic finale. It's the last one, so don't miss Back to Hogwarts, part the seventh and a half. What? She just got a copy of Harry Potter and the Cursed Child? Crap. All right, we'll see you next month, then. Baseball is full of rich traditions, like chewing tobacco and crotch-grabbing. But for some people, there's nothing quite like the magic of opening day. Geekade's Dave Diorio is one of those people. Not that he has anything against crotch-grabbing, but I suppose it just doesn't hold the same magic. Anyway, head over to the Think Tank and read how Dave fell out of and then back in love with MLB Opening Day in the return of Opening Day magic. Dan Ryan has mysteriously disappeared. Who could possibly fill his shoes on the Stone Age Gamer podcast? Why, Dean the Vest Lord DeFalco, of course. Dean and Chris spent some time declaring their undying love for the new Wonder Boy remake, and then when they were done with that, they talked about the NES Classic Edition and how Nintendo mysteriously stopped producing them. That's two mysterious occurrences in one commercial. Perhaps they're linked. Find out in the Stone Age Gamer Podcast, episode 146, The Return of the Vest. Harley Quinn is one of the most loved DC characters out there, and some people thought the fine folks in charge of making obsessively dark and gritty DC movies did the character a disservice in the Suicide Squad movie. Geek Aid's Gabby Robbins had brought forth an alternative for your viewing pleasure that paints everyone's favorite jester-themed villainess in a more interesting light. Check out some thoughts about Suicide Squad, located in the Think Tank. You can catch all this great stuff, plus tons of other articles, videos, podcasts, and more right now at geekade.com. Chris. Yo. What time is it? It is time for the Dragon Ball Super 60 Second Summary. Woohoo! All right. Got your clock? I'm ready. Got your summation? Uh, not really, but let's do it. Ready, go. <laughs> And go. All right, here we are. So, Goku, uh, Android 17 was like, nah, I'm not going to go help you with the tournament. And Goku was like, oh, okay, that stinks. And then this giant spaceship shows up and starts stealing all the animals. And Goku and 17 are just like, well, I, I guess we got to fight this guy. These are like alien poachers coming to steal this Centora Clops thing that's in the, the woods, some magical beast. So they go up there, they beat the crap out of all these poachers. And then, like, the king poacher dude is this, like, giant frog guy. And he's all like, ah, you'll never stop me. I'm greedy and evil. And 
I have a self-destruct mechanism, and I'm going to blow everything up, including you, if you don't leave me alone and, and let me fly away with this rare animal. And so Goku does what he always does, is he teleports the guy who's about to explode himself to King Kai's planet. Now, King Kai is still dead from when he did this with Cell, and King Kai is royally pissed at him. Turns out the guy didn't actually have a self-destruct device, and after, after all that was said and done, Seventeen was like, alright, cool, I'll come join your tournament, and I'll fight with everyone, and we don't know who he's going to recruit next, but it's almost time for the show. <laughs> Very good, sir. Thank you. Oh, you are. So much. And we're back. Thank you so much for checking out our commercials. Man, sometimes I wish you guys could hear what goes on during the break, but you'd probably lose a little respect for us. It's time for the news. Let, let's do a little clicking over here. Um, I, I, I don't... I think I think I'm okay with with our lead story. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm pretty sh- I, Yeah, I'm I'm very sure. Apparently Fox has made the correct decision and decided to get rid of Bill O'Reilly. It, it, I love that this the picture in this article is a you know whole story headline whatever and there's a picture of Bill O'Reilly Bill O'Reilly and the caption says We'll have a lot more free time soon. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> um, okay, apparently, uh, the Murdochs all got together, decided it's time for him to go. They have been losing sponsors left and right. He, granted, he had a he had a very large audience, but he was pretty much a horrible human being. So there's that. I I hope he gets every ounce of uh, you know bad press and life ruining that Bill Cosby got. It probably will happen, but the difference is <laughs> he's white. Yes. <laughs> um, I I want to say his contract was for I think it was for. It was a three-year. I know it was a multi-year deal. I'm pretty sure it was a three-year contract for twenty million. Yeah, they got to buy year. out his contract. And the last I heard, he got uh, the the rumor was it was somewhere in the twenty-five million range to just like when go you away. already have so many millions. Like what the hell? Like, can you really spend twenty-five million faster than you can spend the eighty million you're already setting on? Like. At that point, what difference does money make to these people? It's true. It, it just becomes paper. But I'm really okay. Never liked this guy. <sighs> yeah. Never ever I mean, agreed with him in, on just about anything. Oh, no. So. I mean, is it great that Tucker Carlson is taking over the sa- the slot? No. He's no. pretty much more of the same. Right. But, you know. The, I, I, I see a lot of... A lot of stuff shows up on my um, my Facebook feed, and um, apparently now the the peeps that you know are taking credit for ruining O'Reilly are now aiming their sights on Hannity. So I like it's just it's it's gonna well, be there. I mean, it is, but I think you know some of the less responsible uh, you know media personalities good they should go i mean it doesn't mean there aren't more to replace them but if they start you know if there's this is a big i think victory um and if we start seeing more actions like this then maybe the news media will you know change their tune and 
start being a little bit more responsible. Did either of you watch the video that's attached to this news article? No. It is some of, like, as a, a decent guy that I am, it was, it was, I, I couldn't make it through the whole thing. It was uncomfortable. The is it the, the, like, greatest hits of him yes. just being an awful person? Yeah, I watched that. Yeah. Like, how, I, don't, I just don't understand how idiocy and, and just horrible people become so yeah, he's popular. rich and white. I don't see a problem with it. Uh. <laughs> Another mystery science theater joke, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> it's from Mitchell. My favorite episode. Go watch it. All right. Let's... Wait. So Mitchell is your favorite episode? Mitchell. I, I didn't know that that was clear. That Mitchell. Quite... He's a cop. <sighs> mittens. Jodan Baker is mittens. <laughs> <laughs> now he looks like he's in a wind tunnel. All right. Uh, stop me. All right. Stop. <laughs> Next up. Um, we commented about this a while ago, um, but what is it? Freeform? That's the channel, right? Yeah, Freeform. <laughs> Freeform just released the... Not ABC Family. Not ABC Family. Freeform. They just released the first trailer for their new teen drama, Marvel's Cloak and Dagger, and it looks very drama-y, very little comic book-y. Um, I'm interested. My curiosity has peaked. I don't have much history with the characters. How did, what did you guys think? I mean, I don't know from the source material, but this did look like a very like young adult teen show. Mm-hmm. I always pictured Cloak way bigger, but I think that's just the way I've always seen him drawn. Yeah. I, mean, it, I feel like these two were in... There were, they had a part in Runaways, um, and like there was a, a story arc in Runaways where they wound up meeting up with Cloak and Dagger, and that was the first time I'd ever known those characters. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Yeah, in the comics, I have no she dwarfed, no she attachment dwarfed to them. So by him. So all right, there it is. the The trailer is linked in the article. Um, it is it's not Moon Knight. So yeah. what the hell. It, it is what it is. I listen. I've just become accustomed to the fact that I'm not going to get that. Let's move on to something that I am going to get and that I'm kind of happy about. More X-Files. Karen? Yeah? How do you feel about that? I mean, I'm in. I was always going to be in. I don't know that it's a good idea, but I'm in. <laughs> it is certainly an idea. <laughs> Yes, that yes. is true. It is an idea. I mean, the the last series did well, so it it did. I it, like. I don't. I I've. It just keeps coming back for no goddamn reason that anybody can tell me. Like, you know, they they did the first uh, series. They did reasons. the movie in the middle. The first movie in the first middle of that series that made sense. Then they came back with the second movie like way after the fact for no good goddamn reason. And then way <laughs> after that, they came out with this sh- new show for no good goddamn reason. And now it's coming back again for no good goddamn reason. But I don't care. I love the X-Files and I always will. Uh, the filming of the series. Uh, they kicked up the, the order, right? It, it went from six to ten? Ten, I think. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And this was on regular network, right? This was just on Fox. Yes, this was Fox, yes. Yeah, so them saying 10 hours of, of programming is not true. Um, but filming this summer, 
set to air probably sometime towards the end of this year, beginning of next year. So there you go. If you're an X-Files fan, you're going to get more of it. Um, I'm, I'm In our Slack, the way we communicate with each other is via Slack. The next article I'm skipping over because there is a better one later, and that will just cover that again. Um, Karen, you posted up this next one about um, the BBC announces major new season of Gay Britannia. Oh, that was Chris. Oh, that was Chris? Yep. Okay. Um, I apologize. Chris, did yep. you just post this because you posted it, or is this something you're familiar with? Completely unfamiliar with it. All I right. saw and I saw a news headline, and I was like, this looks interesting. It, it, Clicked it. There it is. Okay, so it, it, it is actually quite interesting. Um, there is a series that highlights the LB, LGBTQ community on, uh, it seems, multiple BBC channels. And it just tells specific stories related to that community. It's it's sort of like an anthology, it seems to me. <clears throat> but what I thought was most interesting is that it... Okay, this, this season is marking the t- 50th anniversary of the Sexual Offenses Act of 1967. Now, that is uh, an act that went into place that decriminalized homosexual acts that took place in private between two men over the age of 21 in Europe. So that's a big deal. And it's 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 interesting and it's neat to see that they are concentrating their programming for this community. I thought it was a good idea. Yeah, I one thing like the thing that struck me about this is uh, I'm still watching called Midwife, which is st- set in the early '60s at mm-hmm. the moment, um, and there have been stories on that show about what happens to gay characters in a time when it was actually illegal to be gay, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I would be interested in checking out some of this programming and seeing, like, you know, the difference of before and after this act was passed. Um, where, if you, you check out the link that we'll have in the show notes, it lists or it explains a number of the, the shows or the episodes, I guess you can call them, that will be, you know, shown for this special or this season. Uh, look, it, it looks interesting, and I think I'm going to – I'll – I'll actually check that out because I like me some BBC and I'm interested in learning. Um, okay, I I don't know how to feel about this because I don't pay attention to the like the real news, like the TV news. I don't I don't know if you want me to call it real news or not. But NBC is is going to launch a Megyn Kelly, uh, well, a new series featuring Megyn Kelly. I don't know how to feel about this. I've right now I've become so gun-shy when it comes to any news outlet. Do either of you have experience with Megyn Kelly? Wasn't... I, the only reason I post this, wasn't she the one that was is on the Today Show or something? And Yeah, she she left Fox right. and went to NBC. Yeah. So sort of like, a, I don't know, a win for NBC? Yeah, I don't know uh, why. They're, I guess they're trying to bring in a conservative perspective to their news reporting community. 
But um, then there was like the whole bit with like Tamarin Hall. Yeah, she took over the ninth, the nine o'clock hour of the Today Show, and they booted Tamarin Hall very unjustly. Oh, that's why I recognize the name. All right. Well, I, there's <laughs> there's a lot of numbers and dates and times in this article, but um, it's going to be a new Sunday News Magazine program. And it's, it seems to be a panel-type situation with other news anchors. So, I, I don't know. I, I, it's. I'm not a big Sunday news show watcher, ne- but this reminds me of um, the McLaughlin group. Gotcha. S- something my parents used to watch. <laughs> <laughs> this is the McLaughlin. So, that's that. It's there. You can check it out, NBC, coming soon. Um, this is something we were talking about over the break. Um, for the first time in 25 years, a man by the name of Marklin Baker and Bronson Pinchot got together again. Now, you may not know their names, but you do know their characters as Cousin Larry and Balky Bartokamus. The perfect strangers have reunited for the first time in 25 years. Um, what's funny about this article, and who, who, Chris, you posted this one? I sure did. Okay, the, the photo is from an interview that they did at a radio station Friday, uh, 106.7 Light FM. I received that photo on my phone from my friend, producer Jamie who in the, there's a little video attached to this article. She's actually in the video in the back. Apparent, and they made appearances at Chiller Theater. It's a, a signing con. Happens in New Jersey every once in a while. That was their reunion. That was the point of their reunion. They got to sit down, meet some fans, sign some stuff. Um, I actually went to that show. I saw them. Very nice guys. Is It's... It's. I forgot how much I enjoyed that show. <laughs> so I haven't seen that show since it was like on way back when. Right. You know what's funny is in this article is also the YouTube video for the intro, and mm-hmm. as soon as it started playing, I, I all the words were there. I was singing right along <laughs> with that theme song. It's amazing the shit your brain stores for how long it stores it. <laughs> Should totally do a Perfect Strangers episode. I, I if I'm I'm going to possibly I love that they were game enough to like recreate the picture in mm-hmm. this article. Yeah. The the their interactions were like even in the video attached to this article, their interactions were like sorta of like their characters. Like one was straight laced, one was silly, but they went back and forth, they played off each other, and apparently really, really nice guys. Lots of fun, according to my inside source over at iHeartRadio. Ha <laughs> ha! So, that's a thing. Maybe I'll try to find Perfect Strangers. I was making comment that I was having issues deciding what show to watch next, so. Um, okay. Now, I don't know what hurts me more is that Reed Hastings, you know, the guy who founded Netflix, celebrated one million Netflix subscribers. 
I don't know what 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 bothers me more that he ate a Denny's steak or that he ate a Denny's steak alone. I don't know, but that's one hell of a headline. Yeah. <laughs> Reed and Hastings. Like a, a gajillionaire. <laughs> he said it's like a superstition thing, right? That yeah. Right. Uh, he did it the he did it when they got to one million, so So yeah. There's a, it's a cute little article. Um, For the record, no one should be eating steak at Denny's alone or with other people. Okay. See, that's why I was sad. <laughs> um, uh, no disrespect, Denny's. Big fans of the show. The- Just don't get the steak. It's Denny's. <laughs> get the Grand Slam. What there are you, you doing? <laughs> oh, my goodness. This has turned into a commercial for Denny's. Um, so, yeah. Netflix. Yo, Denny's has great mozzarella sticks. <laughs> I would kill a man for some Denny's mozzarella sticks right now. <laughs> and with that, Netflix has hit one million subscribers. Apparently, there was a uh, a sizable jump up in subscriptions. Hundred million subscribers. Hundred, excuse me, a hundred million subscribers. Um, there was a jump up when they, you know, opened it up to the rest of the world. <laughs> Who would have seen that coming? Let let other <laughs> shocker like let other countries do this. Fuck. That's a good idea. So there it is. The guy's yeah, celebrating at Denny's. Sigh. I wish I had that guy's kind of... Oh, man, oh, Shepherds. All right. Chris, are you familiar with the with this next story? The, 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 the book that this story comes from? Very much so. All right. So Lock and Key, I think this is at least the second time has had TV talks possibly mm-hmm. the third but they're in they they got fox went so far as to make a pilot didn't they yes it was an unaired pilot but they didn't make one yeah um but lock and key is a very popular comic book series and it just got a pilot order on hulu i would consider getting hulu again for this yeah um joe hill phenomenal writer um and it, this picture's creepy. He looks like a really young he looks, Stephen King. Like He looks so much like his dad. It's freaky. So creepy. For those that don't know, Joe Hill is Stephen King's son. Uh, he is That's also- right. Stephen King named his son Joking. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> <laughs> he is also a thriller horror writer. Um, I, it, was, it was weird because, like, I've read a number of Joe Hill books. Um, one of my favorites is Heart-Shaped Box. Uh, it's like... It's coming. the The description. It's like this adaptation from IDW comic by Joe Hill, and his credit is the Fireman, which never heard of it. Never heard of it. <laughs> um, I don't know. Like, it's really not just explained on what they're doing with it. But the comic series itself is about a set of kids, three, if I'm not mistaken, right? They so. they. Their parents die, and they move into their ancestral home. And in the home are these magical skeleton keys that give them powers. Like, it's there's a weird boy girl thing in there. That's I don't know. It's a very really strange, good very good book. book. <laughs> like, really, like we are not doing it justice. Um, but it's um, IDW, which is an indie comic company, so they get mm-hmm. they don't have the same regulations as the the big two do but what i liked best is that the 
I they they I don't know if it's directed by is it is it so I'm I'm reading Joe Hill did the original did Carl, Carlton Chase is he the Scott Carlton Cuse Cuse uh, excuse me Scott Derrickson is set to direct so he's the guy who directed Doctor Strange yeah and that mystical like I thought they handled that well in in Doctor Strange I feel yeah. that like this is a good fit I agree so I mean damn it's a good time to be a comic book fan sure is. Coming, uh, la, 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 la. is it? Are they releasing the pilot? <laughs> no, no dates. So just keep an eye. We'll keep an eye out for that because that is something I am interested in seeing. I don't really watch Hulu very much, so that might be a reason to, you know, start that app a rolling on my Apple TV. Um, this next article is kind of interesting. The next new season of Orange is the New Black is coming. So yes. as a, it sounds belittling, as a marketing campaign, um, they are reaching out to artists to commission Poussey Washington murals in all, well, a number of major cities. And they're, they're the, the images of Poussey featuring the the catchphrase stand up um in this article they show some of them they're actually pretty good a lot of good interpretations um it's impressive that like they're taking like these are giant you know 25 by 25 foot murals like billboard sized posters and sort of also um you know, bringing light to the 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 the, the, the situation that the African American culture is, is going through. Um, it's I I don't I use the term marketing campaign. I feel like it's bigger than that, and I think it's it's better than just some sort of TV stunt. So. Yeah, I know what you I know what you mean. I don't know quite what to call it. It's publicity, but it's something more than that. Um they they're saying it's a <clears throat> Netflix is the latest company to enlist hand-painted billboards to honor victims of street violence. Yeah, and first off, that's that's huge. Uh, uh, you know, a 25 by tw- a 25 by 25 foot hand-painted billboard. Like when you when you go out to the street and you see a billboard, those aren't hand painted. They're giant sheets no, of vinyl yeah, that are just yeah. glued on. Um, this is this is this is really cool. So the thing is that this show at the end of the last season, last summer, mm. I want to say yeah. late last summer. Yes. Uh, so much has happened in the world since then. Yeah. that would have a profound effect on the people in this show. And so I think, like, the, you know, using <clears throat> using Poussey as sort of a, a like a symbol um, means something more than just, hey, watch our show. Yeah. Uh, you know, because there's been this whole resist movement um, in response to the present administration. 
Um, and it, it almost feels like this is a part of that, but it doesn't, the, the way it's being done, it doesn't feel like they're trying to capitalize on, you know. Um, Orange is on, the new black. Right. They're like, not just trying to make money and get publicity. They're really trying to say something. Yeah. And they're not even promoting, like they they are putting the hashtag OITNB on the billboards, but Mm-hmm. There's no other advertisements on it for Netflix or, or whatnot. Um, I actually looked deeper into one of these uh, one of these images. Uh, I think it's like the third or fourth one down. It's by an artist named Mast. Um, mm-hmm. And it's a stylized version of it. And there's this big white box in it. And I was curious as to if this, the Hollywood Reporter, where we're getting this article from, blocked something out. And right. it, it turns out it's a window. Like, that's on the side oh. of a building. That's where a window uh-huh. goes. And I was like, oh, that makes so much more sense. <laughs> so, that's huge. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I think they're really cool. Yes. So, there's there's something that Netflix is doing correctly. All right. Now we're going we're gonna to talk about the... Uh, okay. There's a possible strike coming on for the writers union this happened 2007 i think is when it said in the article yep um it okay so they voted to authorize a strike and a shocking 90 it was voted in favor by 96 percent of the people that voted Mm -hmm. that's huge that's a lot of nuts it is now i feel like i have dealt with unions before they waited a very long time to vote the authorization in and it's it it's 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 part of their strategy because the closer that they get to that may 1st date which is the day they would strike the 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 more tense things get and them having that chip in their pile saying listen we will walk you don't want 2007 and 8 to happen again, do you? Do you remember what happened to television? It's a good plan. I do. It sucked. It was bad. It was bad. Horrible television. Um, so, apparently, I, I don't know, we discussed this earlier in, another, in, a, in a previous um, episode, but it gives a little bit more detail. Um, two main qua- like problems that they're having with their, their agreement is um, wage leveling for different TV platforms. Um, makes sense. There's a new format. You know, wages have to be renegotiated and, and figured out because, you know, someone who's writing for a Netflix series gets different pay wage than someone who's writing for an ongoing television series even though they're writing for the same amount of episodes one is writing for longer and blah 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 that needs to be worked out secondly it's their health insurance unions are big on that like main thing about a union is to protect their 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 i don't want to say customers but this is the best like their 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 supporters so their members and health benefits are one of like the pillars of being in a union so um, this 
article that we li- will link to in the show notes explains a lot. It, it breaks it down very clearly. It was a very well-written article. Um, but, like, brass tacks of it, there most likely won't be a strike. Because they have come to close to agreements a couple of times before they got the authorization to strike. I mean, what do we have? What's today? 20-something? 24th? 25th? 25th. So, five, six days? Not... It, that's plenty of time to negotiate. So, we'll keep an eye on it because I'm sure it'll happen before May 1st, if it does happen. I thought the most interesting thing he pointed out in this article is that the producers that are, uh, you know, that that are the other entity in this negotiation Mm -hmm. are not um, acting as though they think a strike will happen because they're not, you know, he points out that they're not like ramping up production on a bunch of reality series that they don't need writers to make. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, They're they're not scrambling in any way. Preparing for the, preparing for the possibility of a strike, which seems like, you know, it means that, eventually that they're just trying to make the writers sweat yeah and it's either that or they're doing that crossing their t's and dotting their i's thing making sure that everybody you know gets what they want type of thing so but like i said we'll keep an eye on it we'll probably we'll, we'll find out something by next week i'm sure um this saddened me this next article because i have been watching this on i think maybe hulu <laughs> um Powerless has been pulled from the NBC schedule. Um, okay. I have watched every ep- every available episode of this show. It's not very good. <laughs> okay? But it is w- worth watching for every time Alan Todek shows up on screen. Like, everybody else is, meh, okay. Some of them have some good lines. Every time Alan Todek shows up, I, the, who plays Van Wayne, the cousin of Bruce Wayne, I laugh. Apparently it's not doing very well in the ratings, so NBC is pulling the plug. This show also has one of the best opening title sequences it I've ever seen. It absolutely does. I, it, but yeah, the show isn't very good. No, it, and I don't, I, I don't like Vanessa Hudgens. She's kind of bland. She yeah. is very bland. Pretty bland. Everybody else has some sort of personality quirk that is endearing. Ugh, and there was that one. Yeah, there was that one woman that was like so over the top quirky that was not endearing and was just awful. Which one? I don't remember. I remember watching a couple episodes <laughs> of the show when it came out, and there's one of the characters that was like, "I'm the socially awkward one. I'm the Dwight, except I'm really, really obnoxious and awful." <laughs> I, uh, I don't know which person you're talking about. But I think it's the one who the woman who worked in the lab with Danny Pudi and um Ron Funches. Yeah, she's just she's just the weirdo. Like she's weird. She Yeah, but she's like abrasively weirdo. Yeah. She's like that n- yeah, but none of her comedy all of the comedy with her fell completely flat with me. Right, but did anything from Hutchinson's hit at all? No. That's the thing. Like she's the lead. Yeah, and I'm not like, saying that she's worse. I'm not saying that the, oh, there's okay. anything good about that. I'm just saying that was my biggest gripe with the show was her. Gotcha. 
Hutchins was just like, whatever. <laughs> wow. I'm sure she's a very nice lady. I'm Big sure fan of the show. Big fan <laughs> of the show. <laughs> well, that's it. I mean, I think they ha- they actually pulled it before the end of the season. So yeah, there's two yeah, episodes left. Yeah, it's not canceled, but it's not good. Yeah, if you're yeah, they're replacing it in the the with the la la superstore superstore, which is another show which that I've watched. Awful. I watched a lot of it. It's not very good, but I've watched them. And we that one's a doing world. a lot better though. Yeah, we live in a world where these shows are like these shows exist, and the grinder does not. Yeah. <sighs> you know it's funny. Oh, R.I.P. The Grinder gone too soon. In my day job, I'm a project manager for a construction company. I let the end of last week had to go for negotiating training for two for 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 two days, and during that training, they showed a couple of videos. One of which included a clip from The Grinder. <laughs> <laughs> I was so happy. <laughs> And that's outstanding. There was another clip from um oh shit. The the the, the show where they make the, the toys talk. Fuck. From it was from like Robot, a, Chicken? Robot Chicken. And it was a Star Wars scene where Darth Vader keeps saying, you know, pray that I don't change you know, the rules to this negotiation. I've altered the deal, yeah. Fred. Don't alter it any further. <laughs> there it is. And then Billy D. Williams keeps saying, blah, 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 blah. The, the teacher goes, and that guy does a phenomenal Billy D. Williams impersonation. And I, in a room of about 15 people, lean out of my chair and go, that is Billy D. Williams. And then yeah, like, <laughs> I was going to say, you sure that wasn't Billy D. Williams? It I'm was. pretty sure he's done that. <laughs> it was Billy D. Williams. He's like, it was? I'm like, and then we talked about that for like 15 minutes. Anywho, TV Lots of it. All right. Finally, this was an interesting. <laughs> this is, I don't I mean, know. It's not funny. It's terrible. It's horrible. It's horrible. Uh, Bachelor star Chris Souls. Solace. Solace. I'm going to go with Souls. Souls um, was arrested for leaving a scene of a deadly car crash. Now, that title, that, 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 that leads in the something. Woo. And then if you read further in, um, he was driving his 2008 Chevy Silverado, and he rear-ended a John Deere tractor. Yep. Forced both into a ditch, and unfortunately, the guy driving the John Deere tractor died on his way to the hospital. Um, he, this, what's his, Chris has been arrested. Um, I did it say, I would assume it's vehicular manslaughter, but I don't think they say it in the article. Um, he is out on bail. Um, excuse me, he's out on bond. Completely different. Uh, preliminary hearing is scheduled for May 2nd. So, yeah, things aren't really working out for Mr. Chris. For the good old bachelor. Yeah. And it was uh, kind of surprising how he literally shuffled from reality show to reality show to reality show to reality show. I think there was four there, right? Bachelor, Bachelorette, Dancing with the Stars, and Worst Cooks in America, Celebrity. Dancing with the Bachelors. <laughs> celebrity <laughs> Edition. 
Celebrity edition heavy on the quotation marks. <laughs> yeah, there are quotation marks within the quotation marks there. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> I came across this only because, like, I have friends who, like, enjoy The Bachelor as a guilty pleasure. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, posted this. Up, oh, my God. No, this guy. I loved him. And, oh, no, what has he done? And. Oh boy, just, uh, I hope this serves as an object lesson to kids out there who think that they are going to make their name by becoming reality stars. Like, just because you get on a reality show doesn't make you a better person or mean your life is going to turn out great. Sometimes you just get drunk and rear end a tractor and it turns out horribly. Yeah. What I do like is his mugshot features him wearing a shirt with his name on it. Yeah, that's so, that's something. Yeah. Casey forgets. Casey forgets. All right, that's all I got for news. Um Chris, hi. Give us give us the spiel. Well, the spiel is that you can get in touch with us at mail@geekade.com as well as all flavors of social media that we inhabit. You can like us on Facebook with both the Geekade page and the This Week's Episode page. Find us on Instagram at Geekade. Subscribe to our YouTube and Twitch channels for all our latest video content. And follow us on Twitter at the underscore Geekade. Or follow us, this show, specifically at Twepcast. Or follow us individually on Twitter. I'm at Geekade Chris. That's Geekade K-R-I-S. Evan is at Geekade underscore Evan. And Karen is at shoot underscore the underscore moon. If you're interested in more information about anything we discussed here tonight, be sure to check out our show notes. And while you're at it, you can also subscribe to this and any of our other wonderful podcasts on iTunes or Stitcher. Or if you're super nice, you can leave us a review because any and all feedback is welcome and appreciated. Again, always remember to keep your eyes on geekade.com where we post something new every. Well, no, we really don't. We try to, though. <laughs> Wish us luck. Back to you, Evan. Thank you, Chris. All right, it's my turn to pick the show, and and, when we, and before we started recording, I was having some second thoughts, but, Chris, you convinced me. I am choosing Archer, Season 2, Episode 9, The Placebo Effect. Hooray, Maurice John Benjamin. <laughs> By far one of the... I think he should be our podcast mascot. <laughs> Man, it would be great. I gotta go to, like, a, a show where he's doing signings and get him to record an intro for us. That would be awesome. That would be amazing. So, there it is. Next week, Archer Season 2, Episode 9, Placebo Effect. One of the most uncomfortable episodes of that show, yet funniest I have ever seen. So, from all of us here at this week's episode, I'm Evan. I'm Karen. We've got movie sign! Good night. And this concludes our broadcast day.